0: Hey everyone, this is Chad Arms, pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, an Easter sermon about how no matter what you've done or what you're going through, the resurrection of Jesus means that you can start anew. The sermon will play in just a minute, but before it does, I want to invite you to our church. We think that listening to sermons online is a great thing for your spiritual life, but we think that going to and being a part of a church can make a radical difference in you. And so, if you live in our area and you don't go to church already, please consider coming to ours. You can find all the information you need by clicking on the Sundays button in the menu. And if you have any questions, you can just email. You can email us at us at creeksidebiblechurch.org. Again, thanks for taking some time to listen to this sermon. I hope that it will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. Well, some of you don't know me at all, and uh, I'm hopeful that we'll get a chance to meet when we brunch together after church today. But uh, if you were to ask my friends about me, just give you a little heads up about who I am, which is pretty unimportant to the whole sermon, but we'll do it anyway. Um, Just to give you a heads up about who I am, uh, if you were to ask my friends, they would tell you, I hope that I love Jesus, I love this church, and I love my family. Uh, They would tell you that I like sports. Uh, I especially like playing sports, although I watch them too, but I like playing sports. If I was listening, they would tell you I was terrible at sports. But if I wasn't listening, they'd probably tell you that I was pretty good. Uh, People would tell you that I I love Disneyland, like probably too much. Like I, I get emotional and cry every time I walk into it. And then the people who know me really well... This is the ones that know me really well. They would tell you that Chad has terrible taste in movies and television. So I like movies. I hate superhero movies. I'm sorry, some of you are going to get up. Like, we're not having brunch together, I get it. But I I like superhero, I don't like superhero movies. And instead, I like, like independent movies that are super slow. And sometimes don't come to an ending and don't really tell a story. You're just kind of watching people's lives. And they make you feel something, but you're not really sure what. And it's not necessarily better at the end. And I like movies and TV shows that that are non-linear, and that really bothers people. That means not chronological. Like It's like this, and then this, and then this again, and then this again, and then this again. Uh, and, and I love those for whatever reason. If you know the movie Memento, that's probably the most famous version of, of that type of movie. And, and then there's this weird, this weird self-defeating thing that I got really into that, that actually does connect to our sermon today, I promise. And it's this... I got really into for a while watching shows that were famous because they had ended before people thought they should end. And so it's like television shows usually on Fox, I don't know why Fox hates good TV, but usually on Fox, television shows that like people love, they seem to have a good following, they're telling a great story, and then after the season when the writer thinks it's coming back, the producer thinks it's coming back, the director thinks it's coming back, the it's coming back they're like yeah, we're not, we're not going to have your show back next year. And let's just play a game really quickly. Uh, so I'm going to hold up a, a series of images, and uh, these are, are some examples of that. And uh, I just want you to yell out if you know from this one still image what it is. It's like BuzzFeed or something, you know. Um, and, and if you know all four, then we should really have brunch together afterwards. Uh, but nobody will want to sit at our table with us and at least talk about movies. Uh, and so here we go. All right, ready? First one to get it, gets the prize. They're on the screen too, which I know is hard. Oh, who said that over there? Excellent. In the back row. That is correct. Firefly. Great show. Okay, ready? This one might get harder. You have to be about my age to really be into this. Nobody? Claire Danes. Does that help? Oh, yeah, right there. Excellent, excellent. Somebody went through an angst in their teenage years. Um, okay, this one's harder. This show barely lasted at all, but it was brilliantly written. Yeah, nobody knows because these shows were on. Oh, who's that over here? Yes, Monica. Thank you. Excellent. And. Oh, that was jo- Oh, sorry, I gave credit to the wrong person. You can sit at my table. All right, one more. Whoa! Wow, people like freaks and geeks apparently. That was good. The Staples family coming through in the clutch. This is this is freaks and geeks. Um, wow, I got a little scared for a second. Um, so this is what I love about these shows. Let me tell you. And this is where we're gonna where this sermon's gonna go because these shows, what happens in them. Is, is most shows, they come to these endings, and they tell you, like, this is how you should feel, like, we're killing off this character, it's ending in this way, and you're just like, okay, well, that's what the writer thinks, but when a show gets canceled before it's time, then you're left to really put yourself into the story and ask these questions like, what should happen here? Who should I love? Love triangles and shows too. So sorry, uh, but but like who should they marry? You know, like who, sh- like what? And then you're like calling your five friends that actually watched the show, and you're like, hey, like should it be this one or this one? You know? And then you get on the fan fiction online, and you're like, what other people think it should be? And so it asks you to think like, what what should happen in this show right here? But the other thing it does is it puts you into the story, and I love this. And it makes you think and feel and ask like, what would I do if I was that character? Where would my life go if I was that person? Great example of this, my so-called life. There's the cool guy who became really cool. Jared Leto, I think that's his name. He's the cool guy in that show. And, And Claire Danes, I don't know the character's names, but I know the actor and actress. But Claire Danes... She has this neighbor who's really goofy. He's not the cool kid, but he totally loves her, and he's awesome to her. It's like, like real love, you know? Like he's really like a good guy. He helps her. He does a bunch of stuff for her. And at the very end of that show, she realizes that her neighbor loves her, and she realizes she should love her neighbor. And then she gets in the car with Jared Leto, and they have this look between the neighbor and Claire Danes like, this should be but it's not yet, season two's coming, oh wait, no season two, it's over, and you're left pondering, what is Claire Danes gonna do, is she gonna do the right thing, or the wrong thing, what should she do, I mean, this is high school, like, of course, like, the cool guy for a little while, maybe, you know, and then later, you could get the the nerdy next door neighbor, that's who everybody wants to marry, so if you're the nerdy next door neighbor, keep going, Uh, but you know, like, it forces us into, into the story, and, and we're celebrating Easter today. And Easter is this day that, that we know, right? Like it changed human history. There are empty crosses on churches all over the world. Churches around the world are filled up today. You have changed this Sunday morning in the year 2018 for your life because of this day that we celebrate as Easter. It's, it's undeniable, right? Like, even if you're not a Christian, you just rolled in here because your wife made you. Like, you know, like, even if that's your situation, you know that Easter is this day that changed human history. But we don't care, right? We're Americans. The question that we have is, how does it change me? How should it change me? What should I do with this story? And I have great news because God is on my side about shows that come to an ending too quickly because there's this book in the Bible. It's called Mark, and it tells the story of Jesus' resurrection. But it comes to this ending that is abrupt and weird and confusing a little bit and uh, unexpected and surprising, which means the same thing, I know. Uh, But it's just this, this very... Most people don't preach about it on, on Easter, like Mark all over the world. we got probably 1% of us pastors are preaching on Mark because it's like, what happened to the ending? In fact, throughout history, people have tried to come up with endings to the book of Mark. There's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books or, or endings that people have written through the years to say like, well, this is, this is probably what Mark was going to get to eventually. And what it does, and I love this, I love this, you may not like it, but I love this, uh, It invites us into the story, and it forces us about the characters in this story to ask the question, what should they do? What should they do with what they've just experienced? What will they do with what they've just experienced? Because we don't find out, and I think if we're really paying attention, I think this might have been God's point, it forces us. Even if we don't want to, even if we just came for the brunch, it forces us to ask the question, what should I do? What would I do if I was them, and what should I do as me today? And in doing so, it offers us an opportunity to not just make Easter an important day for the world, but to really say, is this an important day for me? And so we, we see this story in Mark 16 one through two is where we'll start. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary mother, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body very early on the first day of the week just after sunrise. So a few things that uh, kind of show that these women were devoted followers of Jesus before he was crucified, and we'll come back to that crucifixion in a second, but before Jesus was arrested and murdered at the hands of of the religious leaders in Romans, these women had traveled with Jesus, they had helped Jesus, they had supported him in his ministry, they had been there for him every step of the way, and now Jesus is dead, he's laying in a grave, and they don't really know what to do, but they're devoted to him, and so it shows their devotion, right, like they buy these very expensive spices they get up really early in the morning they they are willing and we don't think about this because it's just in the bible but they're willing to go into a tomb with a body that's been first of all tortured and then killed and now has been rotting for uh, a couple of days i mean uh, this is some devotion right that they would think to do this this is pretty incredible But something else is really striking in this passage. Like, first, like, just that that these women would be so devoted to a person after after he was dead, after the promises that, that they thought he was going to fulfill in the way that they thought he was going to fulfill them had not proven true in the way that they thought. They still were that devoted, right? Like, that's staggering. But there's this other really interesting detail. There's two phrases that mark uses for the time of day in which this takes place Uh, the first one in in english it translates into our english bibles is very early okay not a big deal to the passage if you read it in english but this was a delineation of time very specific delineation of time for the jewish people the first century people who would have read this book they understood that very early that greek phrase that translates very early actually referred to 3 to 6 in the morning. You with me now? So it says that these women are traveling sometime between 3 and, the, and 6 in the morning. And then it says, this is so interesting, right? Just after sunrise. The sun isn't up in Jerusalem between 3 and 6 in the morning. I checked uh, just this week. I checked to see when sunrise would be for Jerusalem. Interestingly enough, Easter actually falls like when Easter would have fell this year, like Passover and Good Friday perfectly aligned. So we're like quite literally like the day that Jesus would have died, you know, a lot of years ago. But but so like this is exactly the time. It's not like it would have been, you know, April 15th or 17th whenever we had Easter last year. This is like the exact time. And so 3 to 6 in the morning. Then he mentions the sunrise, and I think he's being metaphorical, and I'm not the first person to think this. I think he's saying something about the importance of this day. It's not a mistake, right? Like, you would never be like, it was night, and the sun was in my eyes, Right, like that's like I know if you're like not a Christian person, you're not a believer. Then you're, you're skeptical, and you're like, "Oh, a mistake in the Bible." Right, like that's your first up. That's that's not a mistake. Somebody writes, especially when you've written such a brilliant piece of literature, a story about Jesus that's this good. Right, you don't come along and say, "Whew, so dark with the sun in my eyes." Like that's not you. Don't make that mistake. And it seems that the author is saying something, and people have seen. This connection to Malachi 4.2, this ancient document written down called Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament before God was kind of silent with his people for about 400 years. And in Malachi 4.2, it says, but for you who revere my name, notice this, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. David E. Garland, an author that wrote a a whole book about the book of Mark, said the beginning of this week marks the dawning of a new beginning for humanity. And then I don't even know where I found this, but I really like this because it's so good. These women are walking in the dark. They think that Jesus is dead. They have no clue that anything better awaits them. They don't know the resurrection. They don't know anything about it. And, And this is what another author said. The sun has risen even though the world is still in darkness. You see what, what God through Mark is trying to get at? He's saying this is a new day. This is a new day for humanity, and this can be a new day for you. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. I'm going to come back to this, but just let's, let's just put it in our heads right now. The resurrection of Jesus some 2,000 years ago offers you a brand new day, a brand new start. It offers you a new life, but it also offers you a new beginning in the areas of your life that you've ruined, that that are, are rotting and seem like they're completely dead and gone. We'll come back to that. But in Mark 16, 2 through 5, it says, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, large had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white, in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Yeah, you would be pretty alarmed uh, in that situation. So here's, here's the deal. They're on the way to the tomb. It's so interesting to me. And, and they're thinking, there's a giant stone in front of this tomb like it's not like a tombstone like we think of today where somebody goes into the ground it's like you know a cut out in a rock and then you put the body in there and then and then a stone was it would be rolled in front of it and uh, this was interesting to me I don't know uh, this this will matter to any of you there's like five of you that might find this interesting but I read this week that that most stones were just kind of square things um, but for wealthy people there was a round stone and, and Jesus had actually been given this grave by a wealthy person and so there's at least a chance right like if we were Really get low and drive with our legs like maybe we can get the job done you know we hope somebody's out there and so they're walking they're walking in darkness thinking that the one that they thought would give them everything they ever wanted was dead and they're hopeless I mean we know the sun has risen even though that the, the world is still in darkness like we can see that in the story but these women have no idea and all they're doing is what I think many of you are doing, trying to make the best of a bad situation. I think of this. This is not uh, archaeologically accurate, uh, but I picture them carrying their, their burial spices and something to this effect. This was the closest thing I had in my house uh, that, that would seem like a first century pot. Uh, if you have a first century pot, I don't think you would have let me probably carry it up on stage anyway, right? Like probably worth some money. But they had gone out, they had bon- bought in these expensive spices, It actually tells us that Jesus had already been uh, anointed with spices, which for Jewish people just meant they were trying to make it smell a little better and they were offering some respect. And and so Jesus said that had already happened to him by the rich guy who buried him and his buddy. And so, and these women seemingly knew that. And so they're on this walk, not to do something that they feel a need to do, but it's like one of those things, you know, like, this is terrible, We don't know what to do, but we have to do something productive. Let's take some spices and make his body smell better. You know those moments, right? Like, have you ever been in a tragedy and you just don't know, like you don't know what to do? Like, you just try to find something. Sometimes it seems so trivial or so ridiculous. If you've ever been part of funeral planning, there's like always that person, right, like if, if you've lost somebody close to you and you get your family together and, and they, they, you just know, like they don't even want to stop to cry, like they're just like, we got to do this and 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 you're like, hey, could I have a moment, you know, like I loved them, but there's people, you know, like you've, if I see some heads and so you know that person and, and, and this is that moment. There's nothing good. And so we might as well go do something. We might as well put some spices on his body. And I look out at your faces, some of you I don't know, and some of you I love. And I absolutely know that some of you here today have areas of your life that you're just trying to put burial spices on. There's no hope, there's no goodness. And you just keep striving to make it smell better. I might have carried the analogy too far. But you just keep striving to make it just a little bit better. I mean, like like your marriage, right? Like... Like this is bad, and we're just we're just going to counseling, and and we're just trying to just make it a little bit better so that we can last because we have kids or whatever. Like just just a li- like we'll just we'll just make it kind of look good. We'll be better in front of our friends. We won't talk about each other behind each other's backs, but we don't really like each other that much when we're at home. And and you're just like just make it smell better, honey. You know. And some of you, like, I know it's like, it's your, it's your job in general. Like, you're, you're at work, and you're like, I, I'm not a good person here. I don't like how I am, like, at work, and, and, but I'm getting through it, and I'm trying to figure it out, and there's really no purpose, and I'm going to work every day because I need to raise money, but I don't feel a purpose or a sense of purpose or a sense of hope in this. I'm going to, you know, be almost dead when I get to stop doing this, and it's awful. Some of you, it's your entire lives. Some of you probably have come here this morning because you know that something's not right in you. It just kind of feels like you're dead inside. And you put on a happy face and you do your best to make it look better. You, you, you have a plan and you make a to-do list and you just, you just are always doing something to make it seem a little better. But you know that it's It's not. And I'm I'm telling you that what this story says, it's like you don't have to put burial spices on things. You don't have to put burial spices on your sins. You don't have to try to make things look good. You can, in fact, have a brand new start. You can have a brand new day. Because when Jesus got out of the grave, it offered that to all of us. And these women don't know, so they're like, let's make the best of a bad situation But man, we need to start to ask the question because this book wraps up in just a short amount of time. We need to start to ask the question, what should they do? What should be different in them once they find out that Jesus is alive? Now the end of that little section I just read says that they they enter into the tomb this is a detail, again, like, sometimes in the Bible, we don't pay attention to the details because it's the Bible, you know, and, and, but, like, like, think about this now, If like you're taking this long walk, you're strolling up on a tomb, that makes me kind of anxious thinking about it, right, like, uh, I think there was a movie called Double Jeopardy and, and she gets locked in a tomb in New Orleans. Is that ringing any bells? And uh, Like, whoo, not cool, right? Like, not a fun day. So you're coming up on this tomb. You're pretty antsy. You don't know how you're going to roll the stone away. The stone is rolled away when you get there and you go in and, and, and the, the way that these tombs would have worked there was two sections in these tombs. The first section would have been an area where the people could have stood up, where you could come and, and, and do things like anoint the body. And then there was a smaller inner uh, section of this tomb where the body would have laid that's about six or seven feet by six or seven feet, uh, six or seven foot square. Come in, take that first step into the tomb, and all you're thinking is, I hope I don't hear a noise. I hope nobody's in here and wham, right on your right, like, hey, you know, "Ah," like, that's scary, and it's the most real, easy, like, like, this is how we respond, it says, like, they were, they were scared, right, like, they were scared, and we know, what we know here is that, that this is an an angel, which that sounds good, when you picture, like, you know, wings, and halo, and all of that, and we kind of think, angels are, you know, good when they're on god's side and we think of that but 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 come on like that's pretty scary right and most angels throughout the bible they don't really appear with this halo and this wings like we think of them anyway they're like a guy and this one's dressed in white and the language is pretty clear that something is supernatural about it so we don't know if there's like a little glow but it's the last thing you want to see when you walk into a tomb is anything except for what you're expecting right I would have peed myself and run away. Like that would have been the not. So give, it, give these women some credit, no matter how you feel about them later, for hanging in there in this moment and, and be like, okay, we're here. Maybe they're just frozen. Heard a story about a guy that got, this is just off the cuff, I'm sorry, but heard a story about a guy uh, in, a, in a counseling class I was in and we were talking about how your, your body can actually shut down when you, uh, when you encounter fear and it's like a thing in counseling to know like our bodies are connected to what's going on in our brain. And This guy said he saw a grizzly bear and he was not a guy that would exaggerate, that could have been like on the second story if it was standing upright and it ran at him and he literally froze and lost all bodily function. So that's this moment right here. That detail was omitted for the sake of the women and probably for us. I could have left it out too. But here's what he says. This is so key. In verses six and seven, this angel says, Don't be alarmed. <laughs> Good luck. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Man, I mean, this is so important, right? Like, I don't know if you know this, but as Christians, here's, here's what we believe. And we just see it right here. Like, we believe that every person does bad things. I think everybody believes that, right? That's not a Christian belief. You've done things. Maybe on the way to church today, you did things. That guy cut you off. And, you know, like, I mean, like, we do bad things. And we believe that God is perfect, holy, and set apart from humanity in in a lot of ways. But one of the ways is that morally, he doesn't do things that are wrong. In fact, we think morality is found in who God is, his very nature. And so these two can't go together, (laughs) perfect morality and and severe immorality cannot go together. And so God looked down. He saw that people were sinners, that they had no way of being in a relationship with him, that they were destined for an eternity apart from him. And instead of saying, well, you guys messed it up, he said, I'll come down there. And he came down in the form of Jesus. And he lived a perfect life a sinless life and at the end of that life he willingly offered himself as a sacrifice he was arrested he was beaten he was tortured he was beaten some more he had a crown of thorns shoved into his head so that blood poured out and then he was nailed to a cross through his wrist and his ankles he was placed on that cross and people stood below him and mocked him and while he hung on the cross he suffered hell. It wasn't just an excruciating physical death. Like, it, was, it was for your sin. Whether you believe it or not, it was for your sin. And so when this angel says he was crucified, this is a big deal. Because it, it's for your sin. But he is risen. And this completes the story. Of Christianity, because in his resurrection he conquered death and he conquered sin. First Corinthians it says, where o death is your sting. His resurrection offers us the brand new day. In fact, the way that Paul, another author in the Bible, describes it over and over and over is a brand new life. If Easter is a brand new day for all of humanity. It's a brand new life for you if you will believe that Jesus died for your sins and then got out of the grave to conquer all of the death and the darkness that is in you. But there's these details that I like so much because he isn't, he isn't just in this moment saying like, hey, it's, this is redemption for everybody. He gets very specific and he says to these women, this is what they're supposed to do. He says, you see where they, where they were laid, and they did, by the way. They did, and nobody disputes that Jesus' tomb was empty. Some people try to say why the tomb was empty, which I always think is a weird line of reasoning 2,000 years later. But that's just to save that for another day. But they knew where the tomb was, so they're looking at it like, well, he's not here. He says, see, see where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and peter in mark 14 27 jesus while he was still alive had said to his disciples you will all fall away for it is written i will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter jesus had warned his disciples like hey i'm gonna die i want you to know that and when i do as i'm as i'm being tortured you all are going to abandon me and they all did but none of them More specifically than Peter, who after Jesus declared that, said, hey, even if all fall away, I absolutely will never forsake you, Jesus. And after Jesus was arrested, Peter was standing in a courtyard, hanging out, and people said, you knew that guy? You were one of his followers? He said, no. And and they're like, no, 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 you are a Galilean, like you had to have known him. I think I saw you with that guy. And he's like, I've never met him. And, And then they're like, no, really, we know that you were with that guy. And Peter's like, no. Absolutely, don't know that guy. And this angel sent by God, that's what angels are. You can also translate the word angel as messenger, in fact. This angel messenger of God shows up with the message to these women who are discovering that Jesus has risen from the dead. And the message is so simple, but it's so profound because he says, Go tell. His disciples, Jesus' disciples and Peter, that he's going ahead of them to Galilee. You see, in in Mark 14, 28, Jesus said, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. He had declared that this is what's going to happen. But now, in between that declaration and what they're experiencing on this morning when a new day has arisen, I mean, the disciples have rejected Jesus totally. And most of them are huddled up in a room. I haven't a clue what to do with themselves, and in this one simple proclamation, I will go ahead of you to Galilee, God is looking down at these disciples, and specifically Peter, who he says, look, especially talk to Peter, some people believe that Peter wasn't even staying with the disciples, because he was so ashamed of his sin, he was so ashamed of what he'd done, that he couldn't even be with his other friends, who had basically done the same thing, just not with their voices, and he says, look, go tell the disciples and Peter, I need them to know that the plan is still on. Nothing has changed. And this is a new day. I mean, look, look, look what, look what this does for these disciples. And this is what it can do for you. I just want you to know that like, uh, like it makes the disciples failure Temporary. Don't you wish that these things that you are doing, that you're like, I'll never break free of this. I'll never fix this. I'll never get over this. This is just who I am now. It's an addiction I can't break. It's a relationship that I can't get out of. I mean, this is it. I can't believe I failed. I wish I could start it all over. That's what Jesus says. Like, you guys messed it up. But that failure is only temporary because I got out of the grave. It implies an assurance of forgiveness and restoration. He's like, look at him going like, "You, yep, you messed it up. I told you we would. However, I still want a relationship with you. Isn't that forgiveness? I'm not saying I'm going to punish you. I, I once heard the definition of forgiveness as a removal of punishment. And in this moment, God is saying, you, you rejected me in the most real way. But let's hang out in Galilee. He allows them to start over their discipleship, their discipleship process. Like when they started following Jesus, when they became friends with him, it happened in Galilee. And there's this subtlety here, I think, where it's like, hey, you guys are huddled up in Jerusalem, but let's hit the restart button. And I know that some of you, I know that some of you here today, you, you've been a Christian a long time, but you've kind of like just, eh, nah, I don't know, like it's, you know, like something I used to do is something I grew up with, is something my parents did, it's something, you know, that, that I liked back in the day, and maybe you sit here this morning and you're just like, yeah, but I knew and then I rejected and is it possible to go back and Jesus says, hey, meet me in Galilee. And, and then it gives us, like, it gives us just the, what we have to do. It tells us. It's like, hey, I'm going ahead of you. But this word going ahead is, is closer to, like, leading. That's what it means. It's a military term for a commander or whatever. And, and, and it's the same language Jesus used when he said, I'm your shepherd. And what Jesus says here is, look, I want to make your failure temporary. I want to give you restoration and forgiveness. I want you who have left your discipleship to start anew. And all you have to do is choose to follow me. This is the end of the disciples in the book of Mark. The whole story has been kind of, it's about Jesus, but they've been in the whole thing. Like it wrapped up maybe more than any of the other gospels, the the stories of Jesus in the Bible. The whole thing is wrapped up in them. And there's no, I love this. There's no ending to their story in the book of Mark. And you have to, right? You have to ask. What will they do? But a better question, what should they do? And an even better question, what would I do? Like we, we I think we kind of agree it would be dumb for them to be like, Galilee's pretty far away. right okay maybe if i get around to it it's football on sundays you know like i mean <laughs> what should they do and what should you do with this knowledge that jesus rose from the grave and is waiting for you to follow him it's life changing going to launch a podcast sometime in the near future and and I just had this idea a long time ago and it's been slowly coming together because I pastor this church and I have two young children and uh, all I'm going to do is interview people and hear their stories about how they came to believe in Jesus and accept Jesus and how that's changed their lives and I've recorded two of them so far and the first was with a friend of mine his name is Grayson Boucher. Uh, he's, he's pretty famous, actually. He's actually really famous internationally uh, for, uh, for being a streetball basketball player. But if, you, if you're a YouTube person, like Spider Man basketball is how he's almost best known. He dressed up in a Spider Man costume one day and went out on the streets and played basketball with people. And uh, I had heard that Grayson had this incredible story about coming to Jesus, and the story I had heard was not at all right, uh, but it made me sit down with Grayson and say, like, hey, can you can you stick a mic in your face, and he has a mic in his face all the time, but can you just tell me the story of, of your your decision to accept Jesus and all that, and it, it's, it's a crazy story. I mean, there's this other famous... Uh, streetball basketball player who goes by Escalade, who is uh, maybe more famously the brother of Mark Jackson, who used to be the coach of the Golden State Warriors. And Escalade was one of Grayson's best friends. And uh, they were partying super hard. Escalade was like 400-pound man playing basketball. Uh, It's quite something to watch. Go on YouTube. (laughs) But uh, one day after they had been partying hard, Escalade didn't wake up was dead. So Grayson went to this funeral, and Mark Jackson was the speaker, ex-coach of the Golden State Warriors, who's on uh, the broadcast now. He gives, this, he gives this thing, he's like, hey, my brother had just recently decided to accept Jesus as a savior, and, and then he said, if you want to be with him again someday, then you need to give your life to Jesus. And what Grayson says that you'll be able to hear on the podcast someday is He says, everybody went down that aisle. And he said, I said, do you think that was sincere for everybody? He said, I don't know who it was sincere for, but I can tell you it was for me. And I've seen this transition in Grayson's life where he's gone from a famous basketball player to a person with real joy and real hope and real forgiveness and real purpose. And you can tell that while he happens to be famous It's all about Jesus. And and it's not just because it's supposed to be all about Jesus for Grayson. It's because he sees that he had a brand new day. And he wants his 1.5 million Instagram followers to have that same brand new day. And I know he'd want you to have it too. There's one more verse in this story. Mark 16, 8. It says, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said, this is so interesting, they said nothing to anyone because, because... They were afraid. People that write about the Bible are kind of divided on this. Like, did these women just blatantly disobey? Did they disobey for a little while? Or were they obeying so well this command to tell the disciples that they just put their heads down and said, we will talk to nobody until we get there. Uh, Nobody knows. And that is the beauty of it, right? Because we know what they should do. They should go tell the disciples David E. Garland, again, who I quoted earlier, said, the ending goads the reader to react and forces us to ask whether we will go and meet him there as well. It also prompts us to reflect on our own fear and silence. James A. Brooks, another author, said he wanted his readers to continue the story in their own lives. This morning, I think some of you need to do that, whether it's the first time or the 100th time. What I'm afraid about and what I see too often is that we believe this story to be true, but we don't put ourselves into it by following Jesus and we don't get the forgiveness that he offers, the restoration that he offers, the temporary failure that he offers. We don't receive those things because we don't, we don't put ourselves into the story. My daughter is two and a half years old She's incredibly bright. I say that every time I talk about her in a sermon because it's true. And and, and she's she's very good at uh, she's pretty good with persuasion and um, and and working out deals. Uh, in fact, she'll just say to us, "That's not my deal." Says just asked you to go to your room. I didn't know we were negotiating here. <laughs> like, throw in a piece of candy and oh, I'll head up there for you. It makes parenting difficult at points. It's like, hey, if you do that, you go to timeout. How long? <laughs> um, you know? But she does this thing, like, she does this thing that, uh, that I think all of us do when it comes to God. She'll be doing something that she's not supposed to do. I'll say, Hazel, Stop doing that. Or she'll not be doing something that I need her to do. Hazel, we have to go. Get in the car. And she looks at me with her sweet, beautiful, hazel eyes. She's like, this is her exact voice. And I've started to do it to Brynn, so I have it mastered. Whenever Brynn wants me to do something, she goes, I know, Daddy. And then keeps doing the exact thing I don't want her to do. Hazel, don't hit your brother. I know, Daddy. Hazel, get into bed. I know, Daddy. Hazel, don't stick your finger in the outlet. I know, Daddy. <laughs> and I know there's some of you who, like, probably have, like, a, you say, well, I don't believe in the resurrection. And I'd love to talk to you about why I do. But I would guess that the majority of people here today do. And you're looking up, you're thinking about, you're thinking about God, and, and, and your, your response For so many people I know, this is the response. It's like, I believe you died for my sin. I even believe you got out of a grave. That's why I'm at church, you know, that's why I'm here. And I know that you want me to follow you so that I can reap the benefits of that. And you know, you know God's saying that to you. And you're looking up at him and going, I know God. I know God. But I'm just going to keep doing my own thing. man, I don't want that for you because I have experienced a new day. Jesus changed my life in a moment. And it's been so much better. Not perfect. Everything's not always great. The disciples all die for Jesus. I know that's not a great selling point. But it's been so much better. So this morning, I want to say that some of you need to become followers of Jesus because you don't follow Him, you don't, you're, you're, your your failure is permanent. I mean, just honestly, every failure in your life is permanent. And if you don't follow Jesus, you're not going to have forgiveness for your sin. You're you you're not going to have the assurance of heaven. You're not going to have that. And 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 so some of you just you just need to choose to give your lives to Jesus. And I know there's others of you here. You need to return to Jesus. First time in church in a long time, I'm sure that's true of some of you. And that's cool, like, I'm not, it's, I, I get it, I'm just glad you're here, right? But you gotta make a decision, like, is this a new day or is this just another day? Is this a new day or is it just another day for you? And is this gonna be the moment that you return to Jesus? Because I'm telling you, He's, he's just waiting for you in Galilee saying, come follow me and we can start this thing all over. You can be in a relationship with me again. And then some of you, I know a lot of people who are here every week, you love Jesus and you're in a relationship with him. But you've been called to do something like those women. Maybe tell others about Jesus. And I'm, I think today is the day for you to decide, I'm going to. I'm going to do what God has called me to. This is a new day. So here's what's going to happen right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have us bow our heads. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes with me. And I'm going to ask you, if you fall into one of those categories, to put your hand up. Now look, after this, so let me give you the warning. Some of you have your eyes closed. You don't have to do that yet, but it's kind of uncomfortable for me. <laughs> <laughs> after this, what we're going to do during this next song is I'm going to say, look, if you put your hand up, there's response cards in those blue bins in front of you. I need you to mark one of those. And so this isn't, this, to me, this is not like... I Like, oh, guess how many hands we had go up. No, this is like, this is a new day for you in some way. And you're going to put it on the response card, and you're going to say, look, today's a new day for some reason. Whether I'm giving my life to Jesus, whether I'm returning to Jesus, or whether I, I have decided to do something new for Jesus, this is a new day. So, so don't put your hand up lightly because you're going to make me feel good or because you think somebody will see you. Because this is, for me, what, what is important about this day is glorifying God. That's first and foremost. But second, that you make a decision to start over or to start for the first time. So will you bow your heads with me? I want you to just take one moment. Consider what I've said. Consider what Marcus said ask yourself what the disciples should do what the women should do and ask yourself what you should do and now if you want to commit your life to Jesus or recommit your life to Jesus or make a new decision for Jesus will you please will you please put your hands up if you fall into one of those three categories raise them nice and high don't be ashamed of it put them all the way up keep them up I'm going to ask one more time because I know sometimes it's like oh, I'm hanging on and I'm not sure and and I would hate I would really hate for this this day to pass without it being a new day. So one more time if you fall into one of those three categories will you please don't let the moment pass like How bad would it have been for the disciples to to not go to Galilee? How bad would it have been for these women not to do what this angel had told them to do through God? So one more time, will you please, will you please, please make a decision and put your hand up nice and high if you fall into that category. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for rising again. And God, those are foundational to the moment that I'm, I'm perhaps most thankful for emotionally. The day, God. When you said, Chad, start over. <laughs> because of what I've done for you. And I thank you that that's that day. This is that day for, for people here, God. I pray that, that these people have put their hands up. God would... <sighs> Satan will fight them, God, and and I pray that you'd protect them and you'd help these decisions to be real moving forward. I trust they're real right now, but real moving forward, and I pray that they would hold to those decisions and they'd never go back. And God, as they've started to walk towards Galilee this morning, I pray that they would never turn back towards Jerusalem, Jerusalem which is, is just full of death and burial spices, Lord. God, thank you for rising again. Be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.